The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. We're in the midst of a series titled Christian Healing. This is the third episode or podcast of this wonderful series based on the book Christian Healing by Charles Fillmore. Today's chapter is on manifestation, lesson three. The first week was on the true character of being, which basically gives a new thought understanding about God. And then lesson two last week was being's perfect idea, which really basically talks about the Christ idea, the perfect pattern, the I am humanity's true spiritual nature. This week, we're going to be talking about how to manifest our true spiritual nature. Now, the thing about the book Christian Healing is it's not a book that's really focused on healing as much as it is focused on getting the fundamentals of New Thought as espoused by Charles and Myrtle Fillmore when they co-founded Unity. And this is a very early book. You know, it was based upon a series of lessons that they compiled together and put into a book. And what I like about it is this. The position that he is taking is, in my opinion, if you understand truth properly, it will manifest a certain way. If Depending on your understanding will determine how it shows up in your experience. So if you're working with these principles and healing is needed, Healing will demonstrate if you're working with these principles and the issue is money, then prosperity and so on and so on and so on. So make sure that you get the book. I've been saying that for the last couple of weeks. You can get it on uh, on the Internet. There are free PDFs floating around. You can order the real book. You can go to Play Store. If you have an Android phone or Android device, I think it's like 99 cents to have it on your device. It might be on iTunes. I haven't checked iTunes. Uh, or, or Apple Store app, but it's available. There's many ways you can get the book Christian Healing by Charles Fillmore. I want you to read ahead. I want you to make sure that you are taking time to work with the fundamentals of truth. Now, before we start, I want to read uh, a definition, and then I want to read something from another book 
because I think it sets the table for what I want to do. It'll take a little time, but trust me, it'll be worth it. This is from The Revealing Word by Charles Fillmore. This is a quick definition on manifestation. He says, manifestation, the materialization of a truth idea, the coming forth into visibility of that which has been affirmed, the appearance of an idea. So the manifestation is the showing up in what we call physical reality of the of the idea affirmed of the idea in consciousness of a truth that is on the invisible side of life on the possibility side of life into the formed into the concrete. So a manifestation is not something that you theorize about. A manifestation is the desired, well, not desired, a manifestation is the demonstration. You know, I know, and some people in New Thought, and I've had many uh, great conversations with people about uh, demonstration and manifestation. Well, demonstrations in consciousness and manifestations in, in form, in my opinion, that's nonsense, absolute nonsense. The word demonstrate means to, for it to show up here. If you, if you demonstrate a skill, that means you can show it objectively. It's not based upon a subjective belief or thought process. What's happening in the mind is realization. What shows up in the outer is manifestation or demonstration. Just different new thought authors use different words, and we get caught up in the way one writer wrote it versus another. Instead of looking at what a word means, the word demonstrate, look it up in the, in the dictionary. Demonstrate is not a theory. Demonstrate is not something that only happens in the mind. You re- you have a realization in the mind. You have a mental equivalent in the mind. You have your breakthroughs in the mind. You have your demonstrations and your manifestations in form. Therefore, Fillmore is saying you can manifest God. So God's love, God's life, God's power, God's wisdom, God's substance in form. Now, what I'm about to read is from Emmett Fox, and it's long, so I'm just letting you know that right now. But I'm going to read all of it because I I want to, and it's my show, haha. But anyway, this is from the book, The Sermon on the Mount, Emmett Fox, page starting at page 132. And I'm reading all the way to 135, but it's worth it. He says, or he wrote, is there any infallible way in which man can find about, excuse me, let me start over. Is there any infallible way in which man can find out the real truth about God and about life and about himself? Is there any way in which he can tell for himself which is the true religion and which is not? Which of the churches are genuine and which are false? Which Books or teachers teach truth and which teach error. How many honest seekers of truth confused and worried by the babble of conflicting theologies and brawling sects have yearned with their whole hearts for some simple test whereby the honest seeker could discover for himself what the truth really is. Is there a single sincere Christian who would not eagerly strive to follow the wishes of Jesus Christ if only he could find out what they are? He is told by all sorts of people and by all sorts of churches that they alone represent the true teaching and that he will disregard their doctrines and their discipline at his peril. And yet they all disagree among themselves upon vital points of both theory and practice. And each of them individually is full of inconsistencies. If man were left without a simple practical test of religious truth, he would assuredly be in a sad plight. But happily, this is not the case. Jesus, the most profound and at the same time, the most simple and practical teacher the world has ever known, has provided for this need and has given us an utterly simple and universally applicable test for truth. It is a test that any man or woman of any kind anywhere can easily apply for himself. It is as simple and direct as the acid test for gold. It is the simple question. Does it work? 
this test is so staggeringly simple that the most clever people have passed it over is not worth considering, forgetting that all the great elemental things of life are simple. Yet just this is the fundament, just this is the fundamental test for truth. Does it work? Because truth always works. The truth always heals. A true story always turns out to be consistent when thoroughly sifted, while the most plausible lie will break down somewhere if sufficiently investigated. Truth heals the body, purifies the soul, reforms the center, solves difficulties, pacifies strife. From this, it follows that, according to Jesus, Teaching that is true will automatically prove itself by practical demonstration. They shall cast out devils, speak in new tongues, take up serpents, drink any deadly thing with impunity, and they shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Just FYI, that was a uh, a quote from the Bible. False teachings, on the contrary, no matter how attractively it may be presented, no matter what social or academic prestige may be attached to it, will fail to do all uh, any of these things and failing to measure up to the test must be condemned. Its sponsors are false prophets clad in sheep's clothing of true religion, but although they are usually perfectly sincere in their claims and pretensions, still they come between the seeker and the saving truth and thereby, despite their good intentions, spiritual wolves, by their fruits, you shall know them. Now that we understand clearly that a successful demonstration is the proof and the only proof of true understanding, we have no further excuse for straying from the path. Our progress on the path may, for one reason or another, be comparatively slow, but at least we shall be able to keep on the path. We shall always know when we have left the past because demonstrations will cease. Most people find it especially difficult to demonstrate in certain directions while having little difficulty in others. This is to be expected and only means that more work needs to be done in some directions than in others. If, however, you're getting no real demonstrations in any direction. It means that you have left the path and are no longer praying rightly. And you must immediately get back by claiming that divine intelligence is inspiring you and that you are expressing truth. If you do this, you will come to no harm, even if the unproductive period seems to last rather a long time, you will learn a good deal. But if, on the other hand, you behave like the Pharisees and indeed, excuse me, and instead of frankly admitting your mistakes, proceed to indulge in self-righteousness and spiritual pride, then indeed you are in for a bad time. If, like some misguided people, you say something like this, I do not need, excuse me, I do not demonstrate, but I do not wish to do so because I am too spiritual. I am above demonstration. I am too advanced for that kind of thing. Or perhaps I demonstrate in ways that you cannot see. Then you are not merely talking nonsense, but you're doing something like, excuse me, but you are doing something very like blaspheming divine wisdom itself. And what is this but the sin against the Holy Ghost? One does not seek demonstration as an end in themselves. But one seeks to know truth as an end in itself. And since the law is that as one acquires true understanding, the out picture improves automatically. That change in the outer picture becomes the visible evidence of the change in the inner. An outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. And thus we come to know the unerringly where to know unerringly where we stand. The outer picture is like the gauge that tells what is happening inside a boiler. 
The real reason for desiring demonstration is that they are the proof of understanding. There is no such thing as undemonstrated understanding. As within, so without. As without, so within. If you wish to know how you really stand spiritually, look about your environment, beginning with the body. There can be nothing in the soul that is not demonstrated sooner or later in the outer. And there's nothing in the outer which does not find some correspondence in the inner. Whether it be the testing of your own soul or the test of a teacher or the test of a book or a church, that test is always simple, direct, and infallible. Does it work? What are the fruits? By their fruits, ye shall know them. Now, I realized that was a lot of reading, but it'll set the table for what I want to talk about. Emmett Fox's belief that demonstration is the acid test of truth is something that I love because you can argue theory, but you can't argue demonstration. Reverend Coleman used to tell us, you don't have to defend me in the beauty shops and the barber shops and whatever. Just tell people to drive past 11901 South Ashland and see what God is doing. See, she believed that the demonstrations that this ministry was making was the proof of what she taught. See, when we stand on that type of understanding of truth, then we don't have to worry about the defense because the proof is in the tasting of the pudding. That's the manifestation that we're going to be talking about shortly when we come back from our first break, that when you understand this truth, it shows up a certain kind of way. And when it doesn't, that's that gives us an opportunity to reevaluate to contemplate, to see where we need to work. Because as Emmett Fox wrote, the real reason for desiring demonstration is that they are the proof of understanding. There is no such thing as undemonstrated understanding. That's my favorite quote in everything I've ever read. There is no such thing as undemonstrated understanding. Because I know if I can really get that, that alone, that one statement, It can completely transform my life and it can transform your life and everybody, you know, and everybody you don't know, because there's no such thing as undemonstrated understanding. It shows. It shows why, because as within, as he wrote, so without as without, so within. If you wish to know how you really stand spiritually, look about at your environment. Beginning with your body. He says beginning with, not ending, beginning with. Then you look at the other stuff. Look at your relationships, whether that be intimate, whether that be friends, whether it be with your family, uh, children, siblings, mother, father, grandchildren, cousins. Look at your work relationships. Look at your work environment. Look, your environment is money. Your environment is home. Your environment is the things you're responsible for or connected to. There's no such thing as undemonstrated understanding. So this is why it is really important that we get the truth. I'm not saying this so we can kick ourselves in the butt. I'm saying this because this empowers us to know that we have the ability to change it right here and right now. Now, After all that reading, we're going to have to take our first break. You can give me a call if you have any questions at 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. Also, let me remind you that this show and all the shows on Unity Online Radio are supported by your donations. So as you have freely received, please freely give. Go to unity.fm and click on the donate button, unity.fm. And click on the donate button. Make sure that you support this ministry. Also remember that this show has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. It's, a, it's one of the quickest ways to get in contact with me. 
Um, you know, you can inbox me, you can put stuff on the page, whatever. So make sure you do that. All those things like the page. Let's take our first break and we'll be right back with Truth Transform. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. Are we nearing the end of the world? Reading the book of Revelation, you might think so, and it doesn't end well. But is it possible that the Bible's darkest story is a positive tale? Author Ed Townley, host of the Unity Online radio show, The Bible Alive, thinks so. A Bible enthusiast, Townley focuses on the metaphysical meanings rather than the literal text. In Kingdom Come, new from Unity Books, Townley takes a fresh approach to Revelation. The kingdom, Townley explains, doesn't await us in the afterlife. It's ours to experience today, as we learn to find the good even in our darkest challenges. Explore Revelation in a new light. Order the book Kingdom Come online today at unitybooks.org. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Reverend Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. All right, we're on page 30 of the book Christian Healing, and I think I kind of set the table for what uh, I'm trying to get across. And before I start, I want to read the first paragraph because Phil Moore talked, wrote this book again. This book was published in 1909, so he probably wrote it at least the year before. And... The first paragraph speaks to 2015 in a very powerful way. He wrote, as a rule, religious people are not scientific. They think that religion and science are separated by a gulf and that the scientific mind is spiritually dangerous. Science to them is associated with Darwin, Huxley, and other students of natural law who have been skeptical about the accuracy of the Bible from the standpoint of natural science and whom, because of the skepticism, they brand as infidels. Hence, it has come to be almost heresy for a good Christian to think about his religion religion as having a scientific side. This is speaking to today, where we have creationists, um, pseudosciences, and, you know, the intelligent design, which is cleverly hiding creationism, uh, you know, it's nothing wrong with having a science that's science of natural law and how things work and still have the spiritual side, et cetera, and realizing that they can have a conversation and they can, mutu- they can be mutually beneficial to each other because the spirituality can give meaning and give the power of belief and, uh, and faith in 
something beyond what the facts are are saying in a moment, in any given moment. At the same time, the Bible and I would say every religious book cannot speak to the natural sciences of demonstrable truth. When I say demonstrable truth, in other words, they can the, the basis of science is it can be measured. It can be duplicated. It can be taught and passed down, etc. And science needs to be free to work without the influence of religion trying to make, uh, you know, Genesis really seven days or you go to these creationist museums and they got dinosaurs with Adam and Eve. It's nonsense. And people not believing in, in um, global warming and other things of that nature based upon their religious beliefs. It's crazy. Uh, and, I, and I'm using strong language because it's crazy that you don't have to deny the facts that are going on in, in the physical environment. Um, what we have to do is be able to address them with truth so we can properly uh, create a world that works for everybody. What, you know, it doesn't make sense to deny pollution. It doesn't make sense to deny oil spills in the oceans. It doesn't make sense to uh, deny anything that's, you know, polluted waters and things of that nature. Oh, I'm, it's all God and it's all spirit. That's nice and fairy tale. But when it's all said and done, we, we're a spirit, soul, body. That means the body has it has to function under physical, natural laws that we need to be mindful of. And this environment is our responsibility, and we should be taking care of it. Because if we don't, who will? There's not a God that's going to come down and say, okay, I know you've been messing up the glaciers, but let me fix that for you. It's ridiculous. So we need to be mindful of that. Anyway, moving on. He, um, he goes on and on page 31 and he's talking about, you know, the allegorical aspects of the Bible and why it's not, not necessarily read it for the, for the history, but read it for the principle. And, and bottom of page 51, and he says, it is this literal viewpoint that has stood in the way of true spiritual understanding read in the light of spirit. The first chapter of Genesis is the description and symbol of the creative action of universal mind in the realm of ideas. That's a very powerful sentence. The first chapter of Genesis is a description and symbol of the creative action of the universal mind in the realm of ideas. So by studying the first chapter of Genesis, we actually learn how to work with ideas. Now, a few years ago, I did a whole series on uh, the mysteries of Genesis, uh, on, excuse me, not the mysteries of Genesis, on the creation, creative process, where I did each one of these steps in the realm of ideas. If you want to go back and look through those, I did let there be light. What does that mean? Let there be firmament. Let there be, you know, et cetera, et cetera. All seven days, which is really how you work in mind action. He goes on to say, it does not pertain to the manifest universe any more than the history of an inventor's idea pertains to the machine that he builds to manifest the idea. Moving on. Page 32. Middle paragraph. Only through perception of the mental law by which ideas manifest from the formless to the form can we understand and reconcile these two apparently contradictory chapters. He's talking about the first and second chapters of Genesis. Because there's two creative uh, creation stories in Genesis. And all actuality, according to history, the the creation story that starts in Genesis chapter 2 verse 4 is actually older than chapter 1. Historically, when you start dealing with the metaphysics of it, one is talking about the realm of ideas and the other is talking about how do you bring that idea into form. All right. Back to the book. All right. Next to the next paragraph, the six days of creation is described in the first chapter of Genesis represent six great ideal projections of divine mind. And what is this saying? What it's saying is each idea builds on itself. So when you're building a new state of consciousness, you are building it idea by idea, thought by thought, belief by belief, concept by concept, and they build on each other. If you take something out of sequence, then you interrupt the high, the structure. You don't make it strong. So when, for instance, you'll hear a new thought teacher sometimes say that new thought teaches you how to build a prosperity consciousness. Now, why is that important? Because if you don't have a prosperity consciousness, you know, through 
through chance, like a lottery or something like that. You might end up with money and then lose it all in five to seven years, which is what happens to most lottery people, by the way, um, if you do the research, because the prosperity consciousness wasn't built. So the same money habits they had when they had very little money now comes into play when they have lots of money, not mention having people leeching on them and pulling them in different directions because they don't know what it means to live with money and keep it and grow it. So if you want to prosperity, you have to develop a prosperity consciousness. And how you build a prosperity consciousness is idea by idea, thought by thought, feeling by feeling, belief by belief, concept by concept, word by word, which transitions into the actions that are consistent with that state of consciousness. So you have to build the consciousness first. And what the chap- this chapter of Genesis is saying, if you want... If you want the manifestation to look a certain way, then you need to follow an orderly sequence in your thinking. All right, back to the book. And uh, she go, he goes on talking about the, 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 the perfect pattern, the image and likeness, etc. And on page 33, it says there's but one man. On the spiritual side of his being, every man in the universe has access to that man, eternally existing in divine mind as a perfect man idea. Now, he uses the word man just out of, you know, that was at the time in the culture. There's really only one spiritual what, pattern. That's basically what he's saying. And we are, and from the aspect of spirit, that perfect pattern is us as an idea of the perfect pattern spiritual being or he says perfect man idea in divine mind or as Reverend Coleman used to say I'm an idea walking around in the mind of God and for her that meant that she had no needs because how can the idea in divine mind have a need of anything all right okay then he makes a very powerful statement he says when man or human beings appreciates this mighty truth and applies it in his conscious thinking. Let's stop there. First is appreciate because when you appreciate something, it's a consciousness of gratitude of thanksgiving, of value of meaning. You can always tell when somebody doesn't appreciate something by the way they treat it. And many times we treat our spiritual nature. We treat our birthright like Esau did with Jacob. He sold his birthright for a pot of stew. We discard. We don't appreciate our birthright and we discard it very quickly because of what people think and their various opinions or what the world says or somebody likes you or don't like you or, or too tall, too short, too skinny, too fat, too white, too black, too something. So the first thing we need to do is appreciate this mighty truth that our true spiritual nature is the perfect man idea. Then we need to apply it. How do we apply it? We apply it through conscious thinking. In other words, we have to consciously think about what it means to be the perfect man idea eternally existing in divine mind. Then once that happened, all manifestation, you just say some, all manifestation becomes harmonious and orderly to him. Now, so. As we apply the God idea, the perfect man idea, the I am that I am, the Christ in me, my hope of glory, in my conscious thinking, it manifests through the soul consciousness as harmony and order. That's what he's saying. And one of the byproducts of that is, and he sees God everywhere. And he sees God everywhere. So in other words, you start to see good. You start to see pop possibility. You get, you start to see opportunity where other people won't see possibility, good, God, and opportunity. See, how you see is based upon how you think. How you see is based upon how you think. So think, he say, in alignment with the truth of who you are. You're the conduit of God. 
he writes on page 33, a right understanding of the divine law of creation reveals man as a necessary factor in God's great work through man, through human beings. God is forming or manifesting outwardly that which exists in the ideal. So I'm here, you're here, we are here to be conduits, to be vessels through which the unmanifested come, becomes manifested. The formless comes in the form. The ideal is demonstrated. When you see me, you see the father. That's what it's saying. That's why Jesus could say that. When you see me, you see God's love. When you see me, you see God's power. When you see me, you see God's wisdom. When you see me, you see God's substance. When you see me, you see God's life. When you see me, you see the attributes of God demonstrated, manifested. Why? Because there's no such thing as undemonstrated understanding. Fillmore went on to say, He, he says after that, in order then that the creation shall go on and be fulfilled as God has designed, man must not only understand the law of mind action in his individual thought, but he must also understand his relation to the universal thought. So the law of mind action basically says, okay, my thoughts held in mind produce after their own kind. Got that. But what? who am I in relation to the universal intent? Wayne Dyer calls it the power of intention. Who am I in relation to the universal intent or will of the creator? This is why the Universal Foundation for Better Living has as its first statement of faith, we believe, which means accept is true. We believe that it is God's will that every individual on the face of this earth to live a healthy, happy, and prosperous life. God's will. Not human will. God's will. God's will that I'm healthy. God's will that I'm prosperous. God's will that I'm happy. Now how that shows up in my experience is determined and dependent on my consciousness. Not God. So, Fillmore goes on to say, not only must he understand it, but in his every thought, he must consciously cooperate with divine ideals. So, when you know the divine ideal of spirit, you start to put your thought in alignment with it. This is one of the reasons why we affirm what new thought people sometimes call treatment or spiritual mind treatment. That is to get the conscious mind thinking in alignment with the spiritual ideal and impressing the subconscious mind to accept the ideal, to form a realization that shows forth as a manifestation. So to the level that I can accept the ideal at that same level and no higher or no lower will be my demonstration of it. There is no such thing. As undemonstrated understanding. There is no such thing as undemonstrated understanding. On page 34, he writes, and I'm skipping over some stuff because I just can't teach all of this in one short show. Every idea projects form. The physical body is the projection of man's idea, or I would say consciousness. We carry the body in the mind. Now, most people say, I carry my mind in my body. No, you carry your brain in your body. The mind is not limited to the body. The mind is an, is a, is consciousness. The, the mind is awareness of being. Therefore, it cannot be limited. As Larry, Dr. Larry Dossie says, the mind is non-local. Non-local means not limited to a particular location. 
that's why that's why you can pray in Chicago for somebody in L.A. and that prayer can bear fruit because the mind is not confined to time and space. This is what Jesus meant when the man came to him, the uh, the centurion, and asked for him to pray for his servant or slave. And he said, Jesus, like, okay, I'll come. He said, and the person was like. Hey, man, I'm a man of authority. All you got to do is speak the word because I'm a man of authority. And when I tell my people go and do it happens, just send the word. And I know my servant will be healed. And Jesus said that that man had greater faith than anybody he had ever met in all of Israel because he understood. Jesus was dealing with people that had the way he had to be there for it to happen. This man understood that Jesus could send his word before him and it would answer it. So we're going to take our last break, and then we're going to get back into some more good stuff with Truth Transforms. We'll be right back. Within you is a divine spark. As you feed your mind, body, and spirit with inspiration, the spark becomes a flame. Unity Online Radio provides the fuel to ignite your passion, creativity, and more during our special Ignite Your Life series. Tune into the series at unityonlineradio.org slash ignite. Connect with your source and ignite your life. That's unityonlineradio.org slash ignite. been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. We're again in the midst of the series Christian Healing. I want to read a quote from the book. The Book of Secrets by Deepak Chopra. The Book of Secrets by Deepak Chopra. This is on page six. And again, this is talking about this divine intelligence, etc. And stop thinking only in brain, but actually start thinking in terms of universal intelligence that works through the whole body. He wrote, the body's wisdom is a good entry point into the hidden dimensions of life because although completely invisible, the body's wisdom is undeniably real, a fact that medical researchers began to accept in the mid-1980s. The former view was that the brain's capacity for intelligence was unique, but then signs of intelligence began to be discovered in the immune system and then in the digestive system. In both these systems, special messenger molecules could be observed circulating through every organ, bringing information to and from the brain, but also functioning on their own. A white cell can distinguish between invading enemy bacteria and harmless pollen is making an intelligent decision, even though it floats in the bloodstream apart from the brain. Ten years ago, it would have seemed absurd to speak of intestines being intelligent. The lining of the digestive tract was known to possess Thousands of nerve endings, but these were just remote outposts of the nervous system, a way for it to keep in touch with the lowly business of extracting nutrition from food. Now it turns out that the intestines are not so lowly after all. Their scattered nerve cells form a finely tuned system for reacting to outside events. Uh, Upsetting remark at work. Excuse me. An upsetting remark at work, the threat of danger, a death in the family. The stomach's reactions are just as reliable as the brain's thoughts and just as intricate. Your colon, your liver, and your stomach cells also think, only not in the brain's verbal language. What people call, what people have been calling a gut reaction turned out to be a mere hint of the complex intelligence at work in a hundred thousand billion cells. You know, so he gives us this example of how this divine intelligence works through us. Because we think, we've been taught, okay, the brain thinks, but your body thinks. 
You're a walking miracle. Let me read one more thing. This is from page 8, 9, and 10, and then we're going to get back to Fillmore. He calls this the wisdom you are already living. The wisdom you are already living, identifying with the body's intelligence. Again, identifying with the body's intelligence. Again, he says, none of these are, none of these items are spiritual aspirations. They are facts of daily existence at the level of your cells. Higher purpose. Every cell in your body agrees to work for the welfare of the whole. Its individual welfare comes second. If necessary, it will die to protect the body and often does. The lifetime of any given cell is a fraction of our own lifetime. The skin cells perish by the thousands every hour, as do immune cells fighting off invading microbes. Selfishness is not an option, even when it comes to a cell's own survival. Communion. A cell keeps in touch with every other cell. Messenger molecules race everywhere to notify the body's farthest outpost of a desire or intention, however slight. Withdrawing or refusing to communicate is not an option. Awareness. Cells adapt from moment to a moment. They remain flexible in order to respond to immediate situations. Getting caught up in rigid habits is not an option. Acceptance. Cells recognize each other as equally important. Every function in the body is interdependent with every other. Going it alone is not an option. Creativity. Although every cell has a set of unique functions, liver cells, for example, can perform 50 separate tasks. These combine in creative ways. A person can digest food never eaten before, think thoughts they never thought before, and dance in a way never seen before. Clinging to old behavior is not an option. Being. Cells obey the universal cycle of rest and activity. Although this cell, excuse me, although this cycle expresses itself in many ways, such as fluctuating hormone levels, blood pressures, and digestive rhythms, the most obvious expression is sleep. Why we need to sleep remains a medical mystery, yet complete dysfunction develops if we do not enjoy its benefits. In the silence of inactivity, the future of the body is incubating. Being obsessively active or aggressive is not an option. Efficiency. Cells function with the smallest possible expenditure of energy. Typically, a cell stores only three seconds of food and oxygen inside its cell wall. It trusts totally on being provided for. Excessive consumption of food, air, or water is not an option. Bonding. Due to their common genetic inheritance, Cells know that they are fundamentally the same. The fact that liver cells are different from heart cells and muscle cells are different from brain cells do not negate their common identity, which is unchanging. In the laboratory, a muscle cell can be genetically transformed into a heart cell by going back to their common source. Healthy cells remain tied to the source no matter how many times they divide. For them, being an outcast is not an option. Giving. The primary activity of cells is giving, which maintains the integrity of all other cells. The total commitment to giving makes receiving automatic. It is the other half of a natural cycle. Hoarding is not an option. Immortality. Cells reproduce in order to pass on their knowledge, experience, and talents without withholding nothing from their offspring. This is a kind of practical immortality. Submitting to death on the physical plane, but defeating it on the non-physical. The generation gap is not an option. When I look at what my cells have agreed to, isn't it a spiritual pact in every sense of the word? Now, I read all of that because I wanted you to really get and understand the miracle that you are. Everything that I just read is happening in you right now as you are listening to me. Everything. That level of miracle, that level of intelligence is within every aspect of you. All, every trillion of whatever amount of cells you have in your body are all intelligent 
they all think and they all respond to intelligent intent or direction. So when you are praying, when you are studying and contemplating, praying and meditating on the divine ideal of spirit, what is the spiritual ideal? What is it that I'm seeking to manifest as truth? Your body's intelligence will correspond to that which you hold in consciousness. Therefore, you can think a body back into health. But it's going to take you to really shift, to really transform, to really get that God in you is your wholeness. And the miracle that you are can shift and create and be something totally new and fresh. As scripture says, uh, old things have passed away. Behold, I make all things new. That includes your body. That includes your money. That includes your relationships. That includes your career. If you're willing to work with the spiritual ideal. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So what if there's no proof? You become the proof. To the point that nobody can take your demonstration and your proof from you because it's your demonstration. What you have achieved by right of consciousness can't be taken by anybody. All right. So in wrapping this up, last couple of minutes. Page 36, he wrote, individualize yourself in the highest degree by affirming that it, in spirit and in truth, you are all that God is. That's one of the ways you align yourself with the spiritual ideal. He says, this is true of man in his spiritual nature, and he must claim, you must claim, claim the supreme inheritance before he can enter into the mighty mental and spiritual forces that are released from the kingdom of God within man. You have to align your mind with it. You have to align your mind with it. You have to be courageous. He said, no one enters the kingdom of God and sits upon the throne and abides there until he has the courage and fearlessness to proclaim himself to be joint heirs with Jesus. Because the kingdom of God is not a place you go to, even after you make your transition. It's the power and potential that is within you, wrapped as your latent ability because of who you are. The kingdom of God is is God's realm of divine ideas. The kingdom of God is your pure possibility. The kingdom of God is your spiritual potential. The kingdom of God is the spiritual ideal. So when you're in the kingdom, you're in the consciousness of spirit. And it takes a strong mind to keep focused on that. So, on page 39, he gives what he calls I am realizations. I am realizations. Affirmations that you use to get a greater understanding of how to manifest the truth of who you are. Read all of them. It's 12 of them. Then pick three that you will affirm this week. It doesn't make a difference which three, as long as the three resonate with your soul. When that happens... As you're doing it, realize that you're building this new state of consciousness brick by brick, prayer by prayer, idea by idea, thought by thought, feeling by feeling, belief by belief, word by word. You're building a new level of consciousness. So be present to that. Next week, we're going to talk about the formative power of thought, how it relates to our lives and healing in particular. So this wraps up this show. God bless you and we'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms.
Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. Many people believe that happiness is an addition problem. If we can add what we want to our life, then we will be happy. In reality, happiness is a subtraction problem. It is learning to subtract all that has kept us from being happy. What thought, fear, or belief is keeping you from being happy? Let it go from your mind and watch how much happier you become. Let go of the past. Release regret and resentment, and you'll be free to move forward and create the life you deserve. This moment of inspiration was brought to you by Reverends Richard Mirage and Richard Rogers, hosts of Spiritual R&R. For more spiritual insight, join them every Monday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio. Repeat the words, God is taking care of it, and it will become clear that you are the channel, and that God is the doer of good works through you. This meditative moment, adapted from Mary Cupferly's God Will See You Through, is brought to you by Unity. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, it's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Reverend Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the stillness. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio, Words from Our Past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. 
right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts.